0: Love Talk Radio. Doctor Anonymous Show eighty-seven. BP Medical. Good evening, welcome to the Dr. Anonymous show where we go beyond the blog to bring you the best people in medicine and new media. I am, of course, your favorite physician host. I am Dr. A and you can always find me at DrAnonymous.com and also DrAnonymous.net Anonymous.net. And also, DrAnonymous.org, you can explore all of those possibilities and links to check me out. Today is Thursday, April 2nd, 2009 uh it is uh 80 days until PodCamp camp ohio and 197 days boys and girls until blog world expo and uh, we'll be talking about that probably in the next hour here so uh, hang on uh, for that it is uh, uh 9 p.m eastern time and uh a pretty warm day here in uh, beautiful northeastern Ohio. The high uh, temperature here was uh, uh, 68 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, so uh, really uh, really starting to get warm around here. So I'm very excited about that. So thank you for uh, joining me uh, on the show here this evening. I very much uh, appreciate it. Um, our guest tonight who will be uh, uh, joining us uh, in just a few minutes will be uh, Victoria Uh, from the website called VP Medical, and uh, she's from the uh, great state of Arkansas, and uh, her URL is uh, vp-medical.com, and according to her site, Victoria has been uh, providing uh, nursing education and consulting uh, services for 14 years, uh, Victoria is a, a registered nurse and holds certifications in case management, legal nursing consulting, life care planning, and uh, what's that say? Ergonomic assessments. We'll be talking about that. So that'll be interesting to talk about. Uh, also, founder and current president of VP Medical Consulting, and uh, she's been listening to the show uh, for a while and uh, has been very active on Twitter as well. Her uh, Twitter uh, handle is VP Medical. It's pretty easy to uh, remember. Uh, But before we get to that, I do want to uh, thank uh, Block Talk Radio for uh, featuring the show again uh, this evening. And I'm also featured on iTunes. You can uh, check that out by going to uh, uh, DrAnonymous.org. That'll take you right to my iTunes page. And you can subscribe to the show there. How cool would that be? Uh, So welcome to those of you who are new to the show. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I am a a family physician in full-time private practice here in beautiful Northeastern Ohio. I've had my blog for uh, two years now and uh, had this show for almost uh, two years, so very excited about that. Uh, If you'd like to join the show uh, later this evening, uh, the number here is uh, 646-716-9514. And if you're listening live, and how can you not listen live to this show, well, maybe tonight,
1: uh,
0: (laughs) the ER. Series finale tonight. I'll be talking about that a little bit later. Uh, you can see my uh, smiling face here in the uh, here in the chat room, and uh, you see my uh, pink shirt uh, here on the uh, here on the show here uh, this evening. And uh, I do want to give a little hi and hello uh, to my uh, chat room here. And uh, already ten people in my chat room here. So hello, chat room. We have Kimmy. We have Ramon. We have Christina. We have Cat. We have Liz, we have Trauma Junkie, PK, uh, Epi Junkie, Mother Jones, and we have uh, Head Mirror. Thank you for joining us here uh, this evening uh, and following our interview with uh, Victoria, which will be at the uh, top of the next hour. <laughs> I can tease this uh, here with you before we bring our guest on. Um, I'll have a huge announcement uh, about the April schedule here on the Doctor Anonymous show, so you'll be uh, have to check that out. And also talk about the World Autism Awareness Day, uh, and uh, this is the second year this has been designated uh, by the United Nations, and uh, uh, so we'll be talking about that. And uh, reading a lot and listening to a lot of stuff today. A lot of frustration. Uh, and some anger uh, directed toward medicine and education for the next uh, hour. and I'll be also be reviewing a uh, doctor's Day, which is a few days ago, and also my uh, recent trip to uh, washington d c so so uh, uh, so don't go anywhere after our uh, interview. Uh, and before we go to the quick break here, I did want to uh, address a question that i that I get occasionally. Uh, and the question is this do i uh, do I uh, uh, talk? With a uh, first-time guest uh, on the phone before the show, and uh, uh, the answer to that is no. Uh, and you can ask uh, any previous uh, guest uh, on this show, exchange some emails, and uh, now I don't do this to uh, intimidate the guest. <laughs> no. no, no, I just just my work schedule uh, prohibits me, you know, just just from you know, getting it you know, even at any time uh, to to talk. So uh, uh, so it's been working out well. And uh, uh, so uh, when I do uh, welcome Victoria to the show after this uh, musical break, it'll be the, the first time that uh, we're, we are speaking on the phone, so that'll be very exciting. Uh, so just a little behind-the-scenes question before we, uh, before we go on our break here. Uh, so let me check out uh, everything here. I think I'm all set. So I, I will take my quick musical break right now, and uh, following this break, we'll be having uh, Victoria. So you are listening. To the Doctor Anonymous show a proud sponsor of uh, PodCamp Ohio you can find it at PodCampOhio.com and we will be right back To the Dr. Anonymous Show only on Blog Talk Radio. I would now like to welcome our guest, uh, Victoria from VP Medical. Victoria, welcome to the Dr. Anonymous Show.
2: Well, hello, everybody.
0: How are you doing here uh, this evening? I know you were a little bit nervous, you know, coming in, and I've seen your Twitter's out there, so uh, I just want to check in before, you know, we get started.
2: I don't know why I'm nervous. I normally am not. My husband thinks that that's so crazy that I'm nervous, but we'll get through it.
1: <laughs> well, I guess nap, first... I'm just
2: really full and need a nap. We had a great <laughs> lunch, and I'm just full and need to go take a nap.
0: Oh uh, well, yeah, that, that'll be my first question here because I, I saw out there that you had lunch uh, with uh, Ramona, who's a longtime uh, friend of the show. So, uh, how's uh, how did lunch go today?
2: It was great. It was very wonderful to put, um, well, I have a face with a name, so that's not really uh, what it was all about, but actually getting to meet somebody in real life that we met on Twitter, so that was wonderful.
0: And obviously, you talked about me, so uh, what what did you guys talk about?
2: Uh, She just indicated that she was on the show, and actually, uh, I know more about it since we got home on Twitter than I did when we were actually at the restaurant. We talked about everything at the restaurant, so... (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you that was the not, first time uh,
2: you were not the uh, main topic of conversation no
0: oh wow sorry oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well I, I do want to thank you for being on the show and uh for listening to the show and and, and supporting the show I, I very much uh appreciate that um so usually what i tell what i ask what kind of my first questions here uh just trying to get to know people a little bit um You know, what kind of things, uh, you know, when you were growing up that that first drew you towards, you know, medicine and then eventually nursing as a career?
2: Well, I actually have blogged about this not too long ago because I had been asked to write an article for a um, book that is coming out about why nurses leave the bedside and trying to encourage nurses to be nurses um, in this day and age. And really, it all started, um, I had a fascination with Mad Magazine. And um, actually would save my little allowance so that I could get Mad Magazine um, every week at the grocery store. And in the back, there was always um, some kind of ad for, like, free prizes that you could earn. And so I asked my mom if I could send off. I mean, I was in elementary school, like fourth, fifth grade. And I sent off for a um, sales kit, which sold, I sold greeting cards and wrapping paper door-to-door to, to all my neighbors.
1: And wow. I did it
2: because what I wanted to earn was a microscope. So I had the funny little microscope with the little mirror on the bottom, and I had collected pond scum and, you know, did the buccal scrapings and all those fun things. And it was just like a whole new world that I had never known about before. And so I really was very fascinated with all types of science projects. And when I had to do a career um a project in, I guess it was probably junior high school. I had braces and I was real into the orthodontia and I did a little career planning on that and found out that the orthodontist at the time made a $100,000 a year and I just thought that was like a million dollars. And I glued all my little braces and whatnot to a poster board and that was the extent of my uh, project. And then from there it went to a a&P in biology in high school and I loved dissecting stuff and um, just kind of continued along that road and then um, I met a boy and decided that school was the last thing on my mind. I really wanted to do something that could get in and out real quick and went to business school for a little while. Didn't like that either and ended up going to work as a dental assistant and just woke up one day after I'd already had kids and been married for a while and said, you know what, I just need to do more. And uh, I really want to go back to medicine. And so I had to um, apply to nursing school and found out after I applied for nursing school, which I'd been out of school for 10 10 years or so, I guess, uh, that I had actually sent my ACT scores to the School of Nursing when I was in high school. But I guess I, I just never remembered that. I didn't think that was ever something that I had in my mind, you know, as a senior. I thought by that time I'd already decided that I was going to get married and have a bunch of babies and live happily ever after.
0: Right, right. Huh. Um, so is there uh, is there anybody in your family that uh is in medicine at all? No or? one.
2: No one. I don't have anybody in any form of well, that's not true. My brother's a prosthetist, but that's new. I mean that's he's younger than what, me, so What
1: what what is that?
2: He's a prosthetist. He makes arms and legs. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. Prosthetic.
2: Yeah, yeah. He yeah. did that after uh, I was already in nursing school. I actually had graduated from nursing school before he ever got into that field. But no one in our family, extended family, uh, most of the women don't work. Um, you know, I come from a very, very middle-class family. Dad works in a aluminum plant or did before he retired. So did his brother. So did his father. You know, and just run-of-the-mill, and Hmm. so I don't know really where it came from other than that, you know, the fascination with the microscope and the whole opening me to uh, science and biology.
0: Hmm. Now, were were you exposed to any kind of, because sometimes people have a a positive experience when it comes to medicine or or something that steers them in that direction. Did you you recall any type of those type of experiences at all? None,
2: none. Um, I didn't have any kind of illness or sickness or anything in my family. There's nobody that cared for anybody. I didn't even uh, have any death or anything in my family for many years. I was um, almost grown before anyone in our family had even died. That was within my immediate family had been sick or anything like that. So I really have no idea, no idea.
0: Hmm. Now, what, what are your memories of uh, nursing school? <laughs>
2: Oh gosh, um, I went to a hospital-based program, uh, private school where they kind of make up their rules as they go, and uh, it was, when I was there, I thought it was so tough, and I thought, uh, you know, I'm just never going to survive this, and our graduate, our numbers were dropping off every semester, we would drop just huge numbers of of students, and I thought, my gosh, you know, what have I gotten myself into, and it was the... It was because I was an adult and had two kids. My my son was 15 days old when I started nursing school, and I had a 20-month-old daughter. And uh, you know, it was the hardest thing I ever did. But as an because I was an adult, I was not some kid that mom and dad were paying for school. So I kind of had a new commitment. I, I think a different commitment than people would. Uh, you know, if mom and dad were paying for it and, you know, you could just kind of blow it off or whatever. Um, so I did really well, and I, and I graduated with honors. But when I was there, I really thought it was the toughest thing I ever did until I got out of school and I realized how I knew nothing uh, huh. <laughs> when I actually hit the real world. And I realized that the reason that they were cramming our brains full of so much information was because there was so much more to do out there than we could even study. Um, and I had great instructors. I learned a lot. I think uh, I think learning is a lifelong process, and I've continued to do that. But my first year out, I would have gladly gone back to school. I really wanted to go back after I had worked for about a year and just re-audit those classes that I took because now so much of it made so much more sense since I'd had some practical you know, experience with it.
0: Right, right. Huh. Now, do you remember your first experiences just with, you know, taking care of patients or, you know, laying hands on a patient or – because that's usually kind of a, you know, a moment that people usually remember.
2: Oh, sure. I had some interesting patients that I took care of in nursing school, and then again, right after I graduated as well, one of the most memorable – uh, was one of the patients that I had written about that um, trauma junkie ended up putting in the uh, blog carnival, the source of inspiration about a myasthenia gravis patient who asked me to suffocate her. Um, she was just really suffering, and she just thought she couldn't go on. And here I was, a student, and I had at her bedside the whole time I was there. And and she just uh, she took to me, and she told me a lot of stuff. I think that she. I hadn't shared with any of the other nursing staff because I was literally at her bedside all day. and, um, You know, what do you do as a nurse? I didn't know what to do. Um, oh,
1: sure. She was sure. very
2: memorable. I took care of a lot of really, really sick kids. Um, it's kind of an, an unusual deal. When I was in nursing school, of course, you do different rotations. And when I did my pediatric rotation, I had pediatrics with uh, tuber sclerosis. I had one with a halo after they had had a gunshot wound to the head. Um, I dealt with, in in adult medicine, I dealt with this lady with myasthenia graphis. And it was really odd that when I looked back in hindsight, of course I didn't recognize it when I was going through it, but it didn't matter what area I worked in, every patient had a neurological condition. Wow. It was, it's really, really strange. It didn't matter if I was in psych or med surge or pediatrics or whatever. I ended up having somebody with some type of neurologically-based um, illness or injury the, almost the entire time I was in nursing school. And yeah. one of my first jobs after I left the hospital was in a neurology clinic, and I worked there for five years. So it was kind hmm. of fitting, I guess.
0: Now, at what point um, you know, during nursing school where, where you know you really said, well, this is you know this is uh, kind of reinforcing what I really chose to do. I mean, was there any point, especially early on, where you're like, especially since you haven't didn't have any kind of ex- uh, exposure to it previously, where you said, well, maybe this is not for me.
2: You know. I don't know. I just, I thrived all through school. I never second guessed, um, my career choice. I I thought it was going to be tough, but I never thought that I wouldn't be a nurse. Um, there was no point that, um, I don't know. I, I I didn't ever have any kind of, you know, realization that this was, I don't know. It just felt right, I guess.
0: That's great. That's great. Um, and, and uh and after you graduated then what what was your first job after you graduated?
2: Well I had actually um I graduated in the early nineties and in Arkansas you could find nursing jobs but they were definitely not your um just a few years before you could write your own ticket. Wherever you wanted to go, they'd put you there. And by the early nineties, by the time I graduated, um the nursing jobs were still there. But they were no longer the, um, you know, cushy shifts. You got some of the crappy nights and weekends or swing shifts and different things like that. And I had actually worked uh, through most of my nursing school as an aide at the local hospital, and uh, they held a position for me working 312s um, on a day shift, which was a hospital that was four miles from my house. Um, on the floor I had worked at as an aide, Um, It it actually was a a great job, and as soon as my, um, you work on a temporary license at first, and as soon as my regular license came in, I was already acting as, uh, training as charge nurse. So it was a pretty amazing experience to to go from an aide to an RN on the same floor, working with the same people. Um, You would think that it would be really tough, but it it wasn't. I mean, everybody was very supportive, and, and they knew I was in nursing school all along, and it worked really well was just a general med surge floor. We did mostly cardiac and respiratory.
0: Yeah, it seems like it'd be it would be uh kind of uh awkward to go back to the same place you're working, you know, as an RN and and uh um to go back to that type of situation where your responsibilities are different and, Mm -hmm. you know, that they may treat you differently. I mean, did did you have any hesitation about going back to?
2: I really didn't. Um, A lot of the girls that I worked with, a lot of the RNs came out of the same nursing program that I did. The hospital actually courted this particular school because they um, liked the grads that came from there. It's one of the few hospital-based programs we have in Arkansas. And uh, so the nurses get a whole lot more hands-on experience. And so they're ready to work as soon as they hit the floor. So I already knew my supervisor had graduated from there. The charge nurses had graduated from there. So they were all RNs and they were supportive. The LPNs that we had there had worked there for many years, and I guess um, they were so comfortable. Like, if if you did what you were supposed to do, that's all they really cared about. And and we did team nursing at the time, and – So it seemed to work okay. I think um, I was an aide. There was only a couple of aides, and then uh, we replaced a couple of those. So, I mean, they all knew all along I was going to school. So there just really wasn't that conflict that you would expect.
0: Huh. Wow. Um, So how long did you do full-time clinical work before you decided to make a little bit of a change in your career?
2: Gosh, that's a loaded question because I've pretty much made a change every couple of years. <laughs> I've done something different. I mean, I worked in the hospital um, only for like a year. Uh, then I worked in a clinic for five years. Um, the time that I was in the clinic, I started out um, as a nurse, and then I went as a, a nurse slash uh, uh, te- diagnostic technician. Um, from that, I did um, I managed the back half of the clinic, all the clinical staff, um, we had a office manager up front that was supposed to be taking care of other stuff. She didn't do her job very well, and I'd been there longer than anybody else. so I ended up taking up a lot of the slack. Well, the next thing you know, I was managing the entire clinic and I went from there to manage an orthopedic clinic with nine physicians and about forty employees and uh I was like, What am I doing why Why am I doing management stuff when you know I don't have that patient contact and left and sold medical equipment for a while and then I went to a national case management company and then from there that's when I started my own business Uh, my husband's an artist and I was really interested in helping him with his business and I kind of wanted to go part-time and they would not allow me to go part-time so I said fine I'll just leave and just kind of stepped out on my own which I make it sound really easy which it wasn't at all I was a nervous wreck and my husband's the one who encouraged me to quit and start my own consulting firm. And uh, then ever since I've had my own consulting firm, it's continued to change and evolve. And
0: Yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. But before that, um, I do want to uh, welcome everybody to the uh, Dr. Anonymous show. Our guest is uh, Victoria from a, a VP Medical, and uh, you can get to her site at VP medical, uh, VP uh, medical.com. And uh, I do want to uh, welcome again people to the chat room here. I hope I don't miss anybody here. Uh, So we have uh, Ramon, we have Christina, we have uh, Kat, we have Liz, Trauma Junkie, Epi Junkie. We have the junkies uh, here tonight. We have a guest. Kimmy and um, uh, Mother Jones, Eric of Damaging. We have the Grunt Doc, um, Head Mirror, and the Reverend Rock Doc all uh, joining us. Good crowd here uh tonight so uh, thank you for joining us if uh you'd like to jump in here and uh, join in the conversation here the number here is uh, 646-716-9514 uh, and uh, so victoria um yeah I, I do i am curious about uh consulting work what how would you define what what consulting work is
3: <laughs> oh
2: gosh. i i gave my son a keychain who said i'm not unemployed i'm just a consultant Um, Actually, I do a lot of different types of consulting. It all started with um, workers' compensation case management, which basically means if a patient is injured at work and uh, they need a little extra help pushing their case along, either they have a catastrophic injury, and so there's a lot of medical, a lot of different physicians involved, they may have a case manager, They may have a case manager if they cannot, if the insurance company cannot get adequate records out of the physician or if they can't get appointments made in a timely fashion. If it's an injury in an area that's kind of rural and they don't know the providers, they may get a case manager. And basically, you are a patient advocate and you're working to get that patient well and get them back to work. Uh, thereby saving money for the insurance company and uh, making the patient as whole as you can, because in Arkansas we have a made-whole doctrine. Um, That kind of started it all off, and that type of case management kind of rolls over to your private care um, patients, geriatric patients. It's becoming more and more popular in in those areas for you to have case management. I think Medicare and Medicaid are actually um, looking at pilot programs to do case management. Um, And when you have a catastrophically injured patient, then they need more. They need, in order to settle a case, they've got to figure out what that case is worth. What are their damages long term? And so that's where the life care plan comes in. We have to create a plan that basically accounts for every Band-Aid, every cane, every cane tip, every physician appointment, every x-ray, MRI, et cetera, and we have to put a dollar amount on each one of those for what it's going to take for their care for the rest of their life. And so that kind of led, one thing led to another, so I picked up that. And Legal nurse consulting is is actually working hand-in-hand with the attorney to interpret medical records to explain what the standard of care is in that particular uh, incident, incidents. and... Uh, so, like I said, they, they just kind of piled on one after the other. And if I work, I work with both um, the general public, I work with employers, and I work with insurance companies and, so, and attorneys. So when um, an employer, for example, I have a really great uh, client that I do case management for, and they say things like, okay, we're going to have a safety meeting this month, and we want to train people as first responders. So I got involved in health and safety education, and then we ended up having particular areas where we were having injuries, and so I started going in and doing job analysis and ergonomic assessments so that we could try to minimize the injuries that they were having in that particular area. So it's basically someone's asked me to do something, or do I know how to do such and such, and that's how it got
3: started.
0: So primarily, would you say that your your caseload is work related or workers' comp related? Would that be fair to say, or no?
2: I do have a lot of work comp patients, and um, I probably keep about 40 active work comp patients uh, at any given time. And um, the legal cases, the life care plan cases, there's fewer of those, but they they take a lot more time, and you have them for a lot longer.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, so when you describe yourself as a, as a patient advocate, I mean, you, you, you kind of describe your role as far as, you know, for you know, maybe working with the employer or working with the insurance company. What, mm-hmm. what, what does it mean to be a patient advocate for the patient?
2: Well, here's the key. If you take care of that patient, the rest of it falls into place. Um, and that's one of my pet peeves in this industry is there is a lot of nurses who work actually for the employer or you'll have nurses that work for the insurance company. And um, they're not always a patient advocate, but uh, I think what has made me successful is the fact that I remember that my oath that I took as a nurse means that I have to be a patient advocate first and foremost. Now, does that mean that I have patients who fake and fraud the system? Sure it does. And, no, I'm not going to treat them the same way that I am with someone who is um, working with me and trying to be the best patient that they can be. Most Mm -hmm. of the time Mm -hmm. in workers' compensation They just want to know what's going on. Yes, they're hurt. They hate that they can't go back to work. They're getting medical treatment. They're scared to death that they're going to lose their job because they can't do what they used to do. They're scared they're going to lose their house or their car because they don't have enough money coming in from the comp system. Um, And they just want to know what's going on. And so I just build rapport with them. Um, I tell them about the legal side of things as far as what their rights and responsibilities are. But at the same time, I actually go to the appointment with them I go in the exam room, I listen to what the physician has to say, um, I help clarify things that maybe they have forgotten to tell the physician. A lot of times I have patients, you know, I talk to them two or three times during the month, and then they go back to the doctor, and the doctor says, how are you been, and they tell you what's happened the last two days, but they forget about, you know, a whole month's worth of activity that they've been sharing with me that I feel is very pertinent, then I may interject and remind them, you know, that they were having this problem or that problem. When the physician outliers lays out his um, treatment plan, then I want to explain that treatment plan to them. I want them to know what they're going to be responsible for doing, what it's going to be like, you know what explain the test to them so I can alleviate their fears. Um, and really, that's what it boils down to. If the patients are well informed, they know what to expect, they um, you know, if this treatment plan isn't working, let's find something that is working. So I'll make suggestions. Uh, today was a, a prime example of that. I took a patient in who had had a, a lumbar fusion. She was She's a model patient. She's walking. She's going to the gym. She's working part-time. She's doing all these things, but she's in incredible pain, and she just cannot get better. They've done all the diagnostics. They found out that she's all um, everything's good to go. It's not anything with the surgery, and um, he decided that she's overdoing it. Well, she doesn't want to hear that she can't go to the gym anymore, so rather than um, take her out of her exercise program, I suggested that we move to pool therapy, and that, that's something that he hadn't thought about. But it was something that would um, take care of both her needs and her therapy needs at the same time. And
0: so how? I mean, a, a question you probably get a lot is, and then how do you deal with with uh, with people or patients that you know are kind of gaming the system or dragging their feet or not doing. You know, you know a pretty good effort at, at trying to you know meet their goals.
2: That's a good question. Um, first and foremost, by and large, my patients are very legitimate. Um, they are very injured, and most patients who begin become malingering malingerers start out as legitimate patients. And for one reason or another, they decide that they want to you know stretch this out a little longer. But uh, the injuries are usually real, and um, they're usually not a problem um, for the most part. But the ones who are, I- I'll even say fraudulent, I've had several that have just been out and out fraudulent, they are few and far between, but they cause the most work. They are the most difficult to deal with. And the first thing that I always do is, you know, I get a lot of information from a lot of different people. I get the employer telling me one thing, I get the patient telling me another thing, and I get... The insurance company telling me something and I really try to not let them influence my thoughts because they're not the ones who see this person I am I'm the one that's out in the field and I see how they get in and out of a chair I see how they're walking I see the frustration I hear them cry on the phone so a lot of times I'll have employers who just decide that they're deadbeats because you know they had this injury and they don't feel it's for real and I have to be the one that stands up to them and say, you know, this is, this is for real and, and you do need to take care of this person. And I'm kind of a rebel in that way. I don't care who's paying the bills. I just, I'm going to do the same for whoever. Um, and so forth, it serves me very well. But when they're out and out fraudulent, the, the one thing that I do is I do what I have to do under the law. For example, if the doctor recommends this treatment, then I'm going to schedule them as quickly as I can. I'm going to encourage them to go, but I'm going to document everything that they don't do. You know, if they don't go, um, I'm going to continue to push the doctor, okay, if they're not going to this and they're not going to that, then they're non noncompliant patient. The insurance company is ready to cut them loose. Are you going to cut them loose or do we need to do something else? You know, what what can we do to hurry this along? And, um, you know, I have I have great physicians that I take them to who say the same thing. Well, I'm not so sure that, you know, this isn't for real, or I, I owe it to them to find out this. And I've got one in particular who will do a ton of dog diagnostics after their own rear end because they think that they are um, fraudulent, but they, they just have to check it out. And they'll always have, like, some kind of odd thing like numbness and paresthesia, and then you have to do these big tests and Stuff, just to say that no, there's not anything objective. And in Arkansas, um, if there's not an objective finding, they um, their benefits cease anyway. So,
0: oh yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think you and I kind of have a similar, you know, kind of sense of how how we try to do things. Because because that you know, um, I and, and and the the docs in my practice, uh, uh, we we take care of uh, work related injuries, and and uh, you know, we work with our um, you know, local employers and, and the state uh, workers' comp system, uh, which is you know like anywhere else, like a bureaucracy, and it's it's, it's very confusing to us. And uh, um, you know, a, a lot of docs <laughs> sometimes get frustrated when they when they see the caseworker in the waiting room. <laughs> I mean, I
1: get that
2: all the time. I get that all the time. And one of the things I like to do is um, I offer to go and teach what case managers need to physicians all the time because it is very confusing unless you're familiar with the terminology and understand what it is that we're going to ask. And now that, you know, orthopedic offices deal with this all the time, and they pretty much have it down to an art. They know that every single time that we come in we're going to ask for a work note. I don't care if they're on work, off work, like, did you? I just need something to tell me what their work is supposed to be. I want right. to know what the length of disability is going to be, and right. I want to know if this is the next treatment. If you're going to do a series of three epidural steroid injections, fine. Tell me how long that you expect that three to last and what's going to happen next after that. If this is, if this is great, kind of give me a flow chart, basically, is what I'm looking for. If this works, then what? If this doesn't work, then what? And what kind of time frame are we looking at?
0: Right, right. And probably what you get a lot, too, from docs is like, well, I need disapproved, I need disapproved, I need disapproved yesterday, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. or else I cannot.
2: But that's the advantage of having a nurse case manager. See, I can approve right there on the spot. You don't have to call anybody. Your staff doesn't have to do anything. Um, my job is to actually schedule those appointments. If you've got case managers that are coming into your office and you're telling them that you want to do such and such, and they're telling you to go ahead and schedule it. Uh uh-uh. They need to be scheduling that. That's what they're there for. That's what they're getting paid for.
1: Right,
0: right, right. And you know, and, and I know, you know, we live in different states and we have different bureaucracies and things. But, but, uh, but if it, if you have a, a advice for me as a primary care physician, as a family doc working in a workers' comp system, mm-hmm. with with a case manager, what kind of advice would you give me to, to try to? you know, to to assist me so we can both treat the patient and do what's right?
2: Well, the first thing is always to um, document everything. Of course, you've always heard that, but um, document it in in whatever you hand to the patient, like whether it's a work note, an order, a prescription, whatever. If there's a case manager there, they need a copy of every single piece of that. Um, If you can send those in when you send in your notes, uh, I would attach those. In Arkansas, we have a Uh, fee that you can charge for your dictation, for your copy, or your work comp form, if you will. Um, And uh, you can charge for sending all those into the insurance company. The faster you get the dictation out, the faster things get approved. Um, Okay. A work note is always imperative. And even if, let's say, you send your dictation out and it's going to take a week to get it back and you are needing something approved right away... If you can write some handwritten notes to give them a rationale for what you want to order, a handwritten note will do.
1: Okay. So they can at
2: least get the approval done based on that uh, before your dictation comes in. And uh, like I said, they they want to know kind of what your plan is. If you expect that the next time they're going to come in you're going to release them, go ahead and tell them that you're probably looking at release in four weeks. Um, they mm-hmm. give them an mm-hmm. idea, and they know they know what's going you know what's going on. If you say uh, we're going to try this, and if this doesn't work, go ahead and put in your dictation that you might consider such and such next time. You can always change your mind, you know, right. you get some more information. But if you let them know kind of ahead of time what's going on, and the, the it, it's kind of like pre approving something. If you say we're going to try epidural steroid injection, and if that doesn't work, then we're going to bring them back and have an MRI because apparently. You know, we may be dealing with something more. If you put that in there, then when they call up for an MRI, it's kind of already pre-approved because you've already mentioned it.
0: Right, right, right. I think I think we have a, probably a lot more bureaucracy than your state does. <laughs> probably
2: best. so, because Arkansas is actually a pretty easy state for. It's saw. not.
0: The, it, it's not that straightforward. <laughs> 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 at least for I. Uh, yeah, but no, of, but I,
2: a lot I, of my I, uh, impa- and my a lot of my employees are very very happy that they're in Arkansas. They'll be, they'll cover multiple states and. They'll call up and say, "Oh, I just love Arkansas. Why don't all of our, you know, plants in Arkansas?"
0: <laughs> right, right. Now, did, did you say that you have um, uh, non workers comp caseload as well, or yes,
1: or not? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: W- so, what what kind of patients are those? Are are they? Uh, did you just say you have uh, some uh, nursing home patients or or that yeah, type have, of. The, um, the I have a
2: couple that live in an assisted living facility, and uh, kind of got them. They were in the hospital uh you know had some kind of significant illness or injury and keeps them from going home so we help get them find them a place to go uh we actually did some of the moving and got their billing address set up and kind of do some concierge service where we pick up and deliver for them i have some staff non-medical staff that help with that kind of stuff um we do um Oh, we do speaking and patient education stuff for the general public on how to keep your health records, health history, and, and uh, how to develop a health history from scratch, basically. Um, I'm working on a product for a med list, a pocket med list thing. Um, oh, you were asking me about my patients. Hello, I'm just kind of. Yeah, I no, no,
0: well the the, the reason I asked is that there were some questions in the chat room with regards to uh you know CMS has these uh, never events now mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, especially when it comes to bed sores in the hospital and and do, do you deal with that as far as from an, an insurance company standpoint or not really?
2: I don't really do anything for general health insurance. There's there are case managers out there that do, but in Arkansas we have a um large insurance system that have their own case management that are kind of coupled in with them. So they do primarily the insurance work. But uh, when you talk about case management with regard to group health insurance, a lot of what you get is utilization review persons who are sitting at the hospital calling the insurance company and saying, well, this happened and that happened, and can you approve a couple more days, stay. Uh, you get a lot more of that in the general health population than, than what I'm doing. Okay, because all okay. of my stuff is is either outpatient or I get them when they're catastrophic and they've just landed in the hospital and we go and and start the work. There's usually an in house case manager that takes care of them while they're in the hospital and we coordinate things from the outside um, for example, I've got a burn patient that uh, was sent directly to the burn center and we met him at the burn center and started telling them what they you know, responsibilities were and how we were going to help. And we kind of did some things like got the hotel rooms for the family and so forth. And then the on-site case manager actually handles the day-to-day coordination of things until they get ready to discharge. And then they couldn't consult directly with us to get their discharge needs met. And then
0: okay. we move over
3: from there.
0: Yeah. Just, just So just to let the people in the chat room uh, know, I mean, I, I, ha- I definitely uh, – have an opinion on some of these CMS things? I could do a whole show on it. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, so, uh, and I'm thinking about doing that. So, uh, for people in the chairman that want to know my opinion on it, uh, you can you can check out my blog, and I may even do a whole show on it at a, at a later at a later date. Well, this is where, uh, there was some, there was, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, this is the whole CMS thing. Is also where Medicare set asides came about. They started deciding that Medicare was hemorrhaging um, because people were getting these work comp settlements and they were going out and using their settlement to go buy a new boat, and then they were turning in their health insurance card to their doctor when they needed something done, when in reality they had already been paid for those future medicals from the court comp carrier. So now they've come up with this whole Medicare set-aside, which we have to, to determine how much their future medical would be worth to Medicare and make them set that up in a special bank account, and it was just another way for them to save money. Well, they put all these rules and regulations on it. They've they're fighting it, saying that it's not even um, constitutional that they're doing this. That there's no legality to it. There's no appeals process, um, and it's not only has it uh, permeated the work comps um, industry. Now we're going to do the same thing in liability cases, where you have your hit and run or your, you know, personal injury your medical malpractice, whatever. Any time that there is a, a uh, settlement for future medical, so. Um, yeah, they're
0: going to get a piece of the pie no matter what we do with it. Oh yeah. 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 And I, the, the, the only people that I've seen that they've, they've targeted for, you know, quote unquote fraud are physicians, but that, mm-hmm. that, that's a whole, mm-hmm. that's a whole different, uh, that's a whole different show. So, um, let's, uh, let's shift gears here. Um, yeah, since we have a few minutes left here, because I really want to talk about your, uh, your new media presence and experience out there uh, on the internet. Um, uh, but at, How long have you had your website and blog, and, and how did all that come about?
3: Well,
2: um, probably I've had a website since probably 2005. Current website since 2007 had just kind of a click and build thing to start with, just basically to get a web presence out there. Um, had a little bit of information about case management and life care planning and legal nurse consulting on it, but that was about it. Um, did not have a blog or anything like that. It was just simply a, you know, build it and leave it and don't do anything to it and hopefully it'll last out there on the internet for whatever. Um, decided I wanted to do something different. Uh, 2007 did the current site. My stepson, who's kind of uh, the computer guru in the family, um, said, hey, you need to get a blog, and I was like, why? And he said, it's because Google just loves words, and you know, you need to keep your content fresh. And so I started blogging um, a little over two years ago, and or almost two years ago, I guess. But I was sporadic at best. I didn't know how to actually. I mean, I love to write. Writing is not the is not really the problem. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs>
0: uh, please uh, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But
2: just ignore that, isn't Writing is not really the problem, but trying to, um, and actually it's been defined as finding my voice. I, I didn't put any of me into it. I was basically just regurgitating information to begin with. And only in the last probably year have I really started writing things that are more personal and more about me. And I actually enjoy it a little bit more. Um, and I'm getting a little bit better about being regular. I'm learning a new, a few little tricks on how to do that. And um, I was telling Ramona today at lunch, I'm really good about uh, starting a draft, putting a few sentences in about what I want to write about. But then I never seem to have the time to go back and actually make posts out of all that stuff. So I've just like I'm tons of drafts. Oh
0: no, that, that, that that's okay. I, when I first started first started blogging, I'd, I've talked to people who actively have between uh, 15 and 20 drafts. And their blocks, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, they, and they choose to work on them you when know, they want, and so that's that, that's very normal. And uh, um, but the, what, what kind of stuff do you like to, to write about?
2: You know, really, lately my thing's been amputation. I don't know why I kind of got on this amputation kick, but uh, um, I, I really have a um, very a, an, an, an interest in amputations. I've had the opportunity to work with several amputees, partial hand amputees, hand amputation, leg amputation in the work comp um, arena. And in doing so, I've learned a lot about prosthesis. And my brother and I've worked on several uh, prosthetics together. And those those news programs tend to really pique my interest. Um, And so I do write a lot about those kinds of things. And that's just kind of been lately. But um, I try to be um, I have a lot of topics. I have a lot of, you know, a lot of people kind of find a niche and they kind of write about this niche, but I just do so many different things. That I have a hard time kind of limiting it. So I may write for a while on some case law that's coming down that's interesting. Um, I, I tend to write a lot of informational stuff on workers' comp, targeted to um, a lot of times to employers on how to, Manage their claims a little bit better. How to stay on top of their patients so that they won't um, be litigious. Um, but uh, it's just all over the place. Every now and then, I'll throw in a personal story. And um, compared to what most med bloggers blog about, I, I think I'm probably pretty different uh, than the than the most. I have, see so many people who are much better at writing things that are real heartfelt and and very personal and this was such a business website for so long that I didn't put me into it and mm-hmm. and even now I find that uh, I'm pretty selective on what I've put out there about me personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot yeah, of people it's, don't it's, have
2: their blogs associated like you know all the attorneys say don't put your blog as part of your website have it something separate and mine's always been together and I've toyed with separating it and I, I I don't know I don't know and it still doesn't have a
3: name which is really bad.
0: That's okay that's okay I mean that's a, that's what's a a great thing about this space is to say you know sometimes things just come along, you know and and uh, just pop the name will just occur to you one day. Um, as far as for me just my kind of personal thing is I you know I kept everything. In one place on one blog, basically because I'm lazy. I don't think I could maintain more than one blog, <laughs> and I because I'd have to separate out. Well, what's this blog the t- the subject matter? What's this blog the subject matter? God,
2: Dr. Uh, Chris runs like what three, four blogs. I don't know how she does that. I just yeah,
0: I can't. i don't, I be about the
2: wrong thing in the wrong blog. Well, <laughs> uh,
0: and, and it's interesting seeing how kind of people evolve because when, when I started, I, I I wrote a lot about patients type of stories and things and then I pulled back from that and I did a little bit more health news and maybe a little health business, health policy. Um, so it's interesting to see how, how people evolve with that because, you know, at, at one point I thought I was you know being too personal and then I pulled back a little bit. But now I'm at a point where maybe sharing a little bit more about myself, maybe that's the right way. So there really isn't a right way to do it and uh, each person is different and, and that's what's great about, uh, you know, even blogging in general, forget about medical blogging. So it's it's great. You'll 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 find your own way, and it'll be the right way.
2: Well, I do find that when I write something a little more personal, I get more comments and more um, more people look at it. So I'm gonna kind of do a little bit more of that. But lately, my my deal lately has just been it was very plain. It was very bland. Um, so I've just recently revamped, put some photographs, got some new bars, got some new tag um, clouds and kind of uh, trying to get some color and some vitality to it a little bit. So I'm still tweaking. Got some more stuff up my sleeve.
0: Speaking of that, so what, what, what kind of art uh, does your husband do?
2: He does um, airbrush art, um, custom motorcycles, cars, sports helmets, motorcycle racing helmets, things like that.
0: That's very cool, very cool. Um, And uh, how did you find Twitter, or how did Twitter find you? Uh,
2: My stepson said that I needed to be on Twitter, and I was like, what the heck is Twitter? And he said, here, let me show you. And he showed me, and I set up an account, and I probably sent out two or three tweets, and I didn't do anything for like another month. And then I got back on it for a little while, and then I would close it, and I'd forget about it. And eventually found TweetDeck, and when I found TweetDeck, I finally got it.
1: And uh, <laughs> I love
2: it. And I I'm, I absolutely love it. I spend entirely too much time on it. Uh, my family has had to put me in their own group, in my own little group, because they say I'm too prolific with my Twittering.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of yeah. tweet
2: in um, big bunches. Like <laughs> uh, I open it up, and then I have to tweet like 45 times, and then I may not open it again for six or ten hours, but, uh, yep, rapid
0: fire. Right, right, right. Well, I know uh, when we were uh, communica- communicating on email, uh, you had a question for me as far as social social media marketing as it relates to medicine. What did you mean by that?
2: Well, basically that's what I was getting at is, you know, you this is so weird. Okay, so, like, I started the blog... Uh, several years ago. I didn't know there were blog carnivals. I didn't know what that was. I had never I didn't know about podcasts. I did not know that there were healthcare bloggers. Um I guess I never really looked at the whole picture. It wasn't until I got on um Twitter that I actually found out found you guys. I started following individuals and then those individuals would post something about their blog and then I would go to the blogs and That's kind of how it all started for me is starting to find um, kind of what people were out there doing. And, of course, we have a lot of different types of med bloggers um, doing different types of uh, posts. But um, it's like how do you – and that's one thing I wrote about this week is TJ is just like all over the place. He's on Twitter. He's blogging. He's hosting the blog carnival. He wants to do podcasting. My gosh, I can't even imagine – throwing myself into all those different arenas as quickly as he has. I mean, I feel like I'm just now starting and I've been doing this for several years. I mean I have some three hundred and fifty posts or whatever and um I just don't know how you determine what where you wanna be in new media, how to limit what you do and still have a practice. Like finding that balance and um, knowing where to kind of push your brand, if you will.
0: Right, right. Well, I never sleep, so that's <laughs> my. my. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I can give you my answer, and I mean, and you know, everybody's answer is different. Um, I have, you know, personally chosen to, you know, not, you know, try to be everywhere and join everything. Um, I've, I've kind of chosen to focus, kind of my uh, brand uh, as far as uh, Doctor Anonymous is is on my blog, which is on Blogger, uh, and this podcast, and um, which goes with uh, iTunes and that type of thing, and Facebook, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the three things that that I have kind of chosen to you know uh just be at i mean there's you know a lot of people are on FriendFeed. i'm on FriendFeed, but i don't use FriendFeed. um you know, a lot of people are on other types of social networking and i've chosen not to kind of be everywhere i just kind of i've kind of these are the places that i've chosen to be because that's um that's where i can check i can check facebook i can check my email i can check my blog um and i can check my podcast site and from my from my uh limited time that's all i can do now other people i mean i see them everywhere uh, i don't know how they do it um but that's just kind of what what i've chosen to do is it the right way is it the wrong way i don't know but it seems to be working for me um and uh, another thing that that uh, i hear debating is you know as far as you know as far as numbers you know what are your numbers you know I, for the first year and a half of my blog, I was just obsessed about numbers. I was, I'd be obsessed about what I would blog about, and I would kind of know what, what kind of posts would get me more comments, more hits, and that type of thing. And at some point, I said, you know, I mean, I'm not going to make money on this deal. You know, I'm blessed. I'm lucky enough to have a job. I know where I'm getting my income. I, this is not going to be a big thing. I'm going to write about what I want to write about I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about, and it's really kind of let go of some of that pressure for me to be popular or to get a lot of hits or to do this. And um, that's kind of my story as far as that goes. Because it, it, especially people starting out, you know, that, that's a that's a question. You know, how are you going to monetize the thing? How are you going to get more eyes? How are you going to get more listeners? Um, well, and I know I, it
2: works. Uh, I absolutely know it works because just this week. Um, I ended up with an attorney in Houston who contacted me because he saw a post that I did on the Jones Act, and he happens to be an attorney who does a lot of Jones Act type um, work. And he's actually just now getting into new media and was telling me that he just wanted me to know that my um, blog worked. And he, not only does he want to use me in Houston, but he actually has a guy here in Little Rock that uh, he's actually working on a case with. So through my my invitation to send him some materials, he turned around and sent those same materials to a guy here in Little Rock. Um, and right. And that was on a post that just happened the other day. And then I had another um, guy from Australia that has just given me a case. And that's a very unusual one. And he says he found me um, through someone else, through my website and blog, uh, you know, when I get those kinds of things, I, I find people through Twitter. I've got an appointment tomorrow with a guy um, over a conference call tomorrow on Twitter uh, from something that was said. So I know it's working, and I don't pay any attention to numbers or heck, I don't even know how to check all that stuff. So that's that's not a big deal for me. But I just have a struggle trying to know if, you know, do you do it as a person? Do you do it as the brand? And you know. I had my logo as my picture on Twitter, and a lot of people said that they felt like my tweets were more personal and they thought that they were weird coming from uh, my logo, so I changed that to my picture. And, um, you know, all my login names are all VP Medical because I thought I was trying to support the, you know, promote the business brand. And now I'm almost wondering if I should just kind of switch that around, so...
0: Well, I mean the good thing is there's no rules and uh um and you know what I did I just tried different things. Um except changing my logo. <laughs> I had the same logo all along. Uh but you can just try things and see see what see what the response that you get to it and uh and get feedback. And it sounds like you're getting pretty good feedback from people and it sounds like you're um you're getting some people who who are who are, are reading what you write and and uh and that's kind of feel gratifying,
2: Ramona. You're too sweet she's I'm trying not to pay attention to the chat room, but every now and then <laughs> I have to see something She's over here promoting my husband and talking about my looks. yeah, uh, I'm glad there's no rules, and I'm glad that uh everybody does different things, and you know we can learn from one another and um, what doesn't work for somebody might work for somebody else, and that's the one thing that I don't ever want anybody to tell me I can't or don't or you know all these rules about everything. So
0: sure, sure. Um, well, um, I
2: can promise you I won't be podcasting. Not with this country
3: <laughs> draw.
0: Oh, <I'll> just uh, <laughs> d- d- just wait. You'll you'll
1: <laughs> you may find
0: your way there. <laughs> um, uh so yeah i I guess this is my last question here is uh um before i let you go here tonight uh i definitely appreciate you taking the time Uh, uh is there anything i forgot um to ask you is there anything else that that you wanted to share with the audience uh uh before i let you go here tonight
2: i think not i just enjoy the show and i'm sorry i can't uh Come in live very often, but I'm usually cramming uh, all my work in since I'm interrupted all day long or on the road. So I end up downloading to iTunes, and I've got me a little plug in the car, and you know, I listen to them usually about a day behind. But
0: uh, oh, you know, I, I, I uh, and, and you probably feel like about uh, this about your blog too. I'm just, I'm just so humbled by people just taking the time to. Uh, To listen what I talk about or to read what I write, and it's just uh, I I very much appreciate you you uh, listening to the show and coming in live when you can and participating in the in the in this fun chat room that we have. Uh, I appreciate it uh, so much.
2: Well, I really enjoy it, and uh, I'm surprised that all I had to do was whine about being jealous (laughs) of TJ, and here I am. So
0: you never know. Uh, so, Victoria, the, 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 uh, the URL is vp-medical.com, and definitely follow her on Twitter. She's VP Medical. Thanks so much, Victoria, uh, for coming on the show. I very much appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Everybody have a good evening.
0: Okay. All right, kids. So, yeah. Hey, great interview. Really, uh, really appreciate that. But we are not uh, we are not done yet here on the Dr. Anonymous show. So I'm going to uh, take a a quick little break here. And uh, after the break, we'll be talking uh, we'll be talking autism. We'll be talking. uh, Today is uh, United Nations World Autism Awareness Day. And uh, definitely have some thoughts on that. So but before that, you are listening to the Dr. Anonymous show here on Block Talk Radio, see if I can find some music here. We will go to our break. We'll be right back. On the show, I'm friggin' Ben, and uh, how you doing? Uh, I'll be happy to check your pants here at the door, but uh, the llama's gotta stay with me, thanks. Um, so enjoy your visit, and uh, Doctor Anonymous will get with you here shortly. Thank you. <laughs> so thanks so much uh, to friggin' Ben from the uh, the Woodshed Crew. You can find uh, find that show uh, Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern time, or as we say in these parts, rock dog time. So thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for that. I appreciate that. So uh, so today, uh, today is uh, United Nations World Autism Awareness Day, and if you were anywhere on Twitter today, uh, you, you've seen uh, you've seen people talking about it, um, and it's it's very it's a very uh, emotional. Uh, issue. And uh, so I will just get my disclaimer out here uh, right away. <laughs> uh, so I am a physician, uh, but I am not in no way would call myself an autism expert. My comments here are not uh, representative of any group or organization. They're my own. So uh, so there you go. So um, um, and I, I also wanted to uh, just give some shout outs here to uh, to some shows here on the network, we're also going to be talking about this uh, uh, next week. Uh, Indianboro Live on Wednesday, I think it's the eighth of April at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. They're going to be having a show on uh, Autism Awareness, so definitely check that out. And uh, one of my uh, new uh, favorite shows here uh, on Block Talk Radio is uh, called uh, Scrapple Sandwich. Yes, it's it's a good show. Uh, but they had a whole show devoted to autism. It was back on uh, february uh twenty fifth and uh, I encourage you to check that out because that's a uh, that's a very good show to uh to to listen to and just today on the network uh, there they uh a host uh, her name is uh sarah newton uh from uh the united kingdom and uh she had a, a guest today talking about uh, autism and some treatments for that so uh so even here on the network, uh, we've had some people talk about autism. So I think it's I think it's good to uh, to to at least uh, talk about it. And it's uh, um, so let's let's kind of get into things here a little bit. Uh, so um, just kind of uh, you know just in case you know in case you didn't know, um, I did uh, get some information here that I wanted to share with you. Uh, so as far as uh, symptoms. Um, and it, it, it's very uh, it's very non non specific. That's one of the challenges. That's one of the frustrations about this. Um, and uh, uh, when you when you look at the definition, when you look at symptoms, you know it's it's very vague. It's things like uh, difficulty with verbal communication, uh, inability to participate, uh, difficulty with nonverbal communication, difficulty with social interaction. Um so so you know it, it's very hard to to kind of put to put your finger on uh, on on what specifically you know diagnosis uh, is and, and people may have heard uh terms like uh autistic disorder Asperger syndrome Rett syndrome uh pervasive development disorder uh a lot of big words on some of that and, and it can be very confusing uh to to talk about um and and even some of the statistics um out there um are you know kind of overwhelming or confusing uh in some of the sources that i uh, that i read uh the autism affects 10 to 20 of every 10,000 people uh something we do know that it, it is four times more common in boys than in girls uh and uh, it's, uh, it's frustrating, you know, especially from my perspective uh, as, a, as a physician to uh, – uh, in that there are no really, you know, good tools out there uh, to, to help with, you know, identification and diagnosis. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that is uh, that's very frustrating for me to try to at least educate patients and parents on, on uh, this type of thing. And, you know, it, it's still not really clear uh, – you know, all of the factors that are involved, you know, is there a genetic link? Is there something in the environment? Uh, we just don't know. Um, you know and, and there are some people out there, there are some groups out there, particularly, you know, very vocal, you know, people in Hollywood um, who say that, that vaccines, you know, are the cause of this. Uh, and uh, for those of you who are not familiar, you know, kind of with the story with that, uh, you know, there was a very small study about uh, 20 years ago. Uh, the theory that a vaccine, the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine (MMR vaccine), uh, caused autism, these symptoms. Now, since then, I mean, that study, you know, it was it was debunked, um, it was uh, disproven. Uh, but you know, this kind of you know, added fuel to the fire as far as the controversy. Of, of uh of, of vaccines and autism is there a connection is there not a connection you know that type of thing uh you know and these studies were recreated and repeated and uh you know the, the results were, were as recent as a month ago and and again they you know they say you know that that there really is is no uh link uh, but you know the the discussion definitely, it definitely it it rages on and uh you know it, it's not uh, um, you know, it, it's not going away. Which is, you know, I'm not saying that's a that's a good thing um, or or a bad thing. It's it's just gonna you know, it's gonna kind of you know keep going on. And it's it's a very emotional issue, which I definitely understand. You know, there, there there's very uh, very uh, vocal people um, uh, who who are on uh, you know both sides of this issue. And, uh, and, you know, it, 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 a lot of it is that, you know, you know, we do have some good data on some things and uh, we, you know, we don't have good data on other things. And uh, that is, uh, that's one of the challenges out there. Uh, that's one of the things that, that we definitely need more research on. We need more, more awareness about this. Uh, and and we need more people to to talk about it, so we so we can you know get things like more funding to uh, to try to educate people on this and, and try to find you know what are the causes of it is is is, is there a genetic link, is there a uh, 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 is there an environmental uh, link out there, uh, and there's also debate as well that uh, you know we, is the, is the rate of autism rising. Um, and I've seen conflicting conflicting data on that uh, as well so so the other thing that we do know is that we uh, you know we need more information on this uh, uh w- one of the websites that that I saw that gave me a pretty decent information it's called uh, um, AutismSpeaks.org, um autism and uh so um uh so that that gives pretty good uh pretty good uh, information on that. So we do have a call here. Let me uh, see, see if I can uh, bring this call up here. Uh, let's see here. Hello, welcome to the Dr. Anonymous show. Who is this?
3: Uh, is it me?
0: <laughs> yes.
3: Okay, Who is me? <laughs> My name is Annette Jones. Um, I just... You see on t v these women going on these talk shows talking about how they cured their children of autism. Now, yes, ma'am. in your experience and in your opinion, is such a thing actually possible, or did their children possibly have something else?
0: Uh, you know, obviously I, I can't speak to their specific case, um, but, you know, have I seen, uh, w- were they were they saying or were they claiming that they were cured by a, a certain treatment? Was that, was that their assertion or is that what they're saying? Or?
3: Most of the ones that I have seen have claimed to have, quote, unquote, cured their children through a diet, nutritional changes like mm-hmm. taking them off of wheat and off of dairy and things like that. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. I mean, I, I've I, I've read those stories and, and, and I've seen those interviews. Um, you know, certainly, you know, and I would think it is, you know, it's on the table, it is a possibility, um, but you know, I, I don't know if there's a lot of you know, specific data on that saying this is the cure or this is, you know, what you need to do to address it. I mean, I know there's a lot of treatments out there, both prescription and non-prescription, and natural and and herbal, to help treat symptoms. But as far as you know, treating and curing autism, um, there's still a lot of debate out there on that.
3: Okay. All right. Well, thanks for answering my question.
0: Well, hey, thank you. Uh, thank you for calling in. Um, it, you have a show here on the network, don't you?
3: Yeah, I do. It's I don't know how mel- well it meshes with what you do, but it's called Paranormal Talk.
0: And uh, what kind of topics do you talk about there?
3: Uh, A little bit of everything, everything from aliens to zombies.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, no, great. Thank you for calling into the show. When does your next uh, show come on?
3: Tuesday night at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, Annette, for calling into the show. I appreciate it. Have a good night.
3: Sure. You have a good one, too. Bye.
0: Okay. So uh, so yeah so uh, thank you uh, so much uh, for calling in there um but yeah it is uh it's uh it's a uh, it's a it's a, it's, it's a moving target it is uh it's something that definitely we need more uh, more discussion about more education about not not only from a uh, from a physician's perspective but you know from from uh, uh, an aspect of the public and parents uh we definitely need uh, we need more discussion on this, and and I think it's great. And, and uh, something that's very upsetting to me is that you know we pay attention, or the public pays attention to a lot of different things. Uh, like I was reading, you know, on on you know one of the uh, news websites today, that the number one story uh, was uh, the the president and his wife at this meeting, and 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 how the first lady you know greeted the queen and, and protocol and all that kind of stuff. I mean. It's just that's something that just is frustrating to me. I mean, you know, something, you know, something like autism. You know, this is a national autism day. I mean, I, you would, I would think that people would want to know about this, this type of stuff. And that's that something that 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 frustrates me. But uh, that, that's uh, that's that's a topic for another day.
1: <laughs>
0: um, so, so, yeah, that, that, that's all I got about uh, autism. I mean, uh, I, I encourage you to, to, to listen to these shows that are coming up uh, uh, because it's, uh, we definitely need more, more awareness uh, of this. Uh, so we have 12 minutes left. So j- just a few topics left here uh, before I close it up for the evening here. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So Doctor's Day was uh, Monday. It was uh, March 30th uh so thanks to everybody who uh, who listened to my special monday show either live or on the archives we definitely had a lot of fun uh that night and in case people want to know i did get some emails uh uh my hospital uh, did some uh did some categories they're voting for docs as far as uh things like this handwriting and blah 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 so i didn't win any of those awards so uh i think there's some hanging chads out there um uh, so I think there may have to be a revote, but uh, uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was it. So thanks, uh, uh, thanks for. Oh, and and I did I did get some cards and uh, uh, and some gifts from patients. That was very nice. It's very sweet, um, and uh, that was uh, that was that was great. That was great. So I, I was also in uh, I was also in D.C. Um, over the weekend, and um, and that was fun. So uh, but uh, I do. Uh, um, I do have somebody on my uh, <laughs> on my switchboard here who's going to register a complaint with me. So uh, if people are going to leave the show, uh, these next uh, 11 minutes are going to be gold. <laughs> so here here we go. Fasten your seatbelts, here, kids. Uh, this is Mother Jones, R.N. Hi, hi, Mother Jones.
4: You never write. You never call. You never come to see me. You come to Washington. <laughs> You come to Washington, I give you an invitation for lunch, and what? You never write, you never call. What's <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs>
0: wow. All right. That's
4: Welcome good. to Jewish motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> and you had that coming.
0: Ah. And yes, you did. People wonder why I didn't call you, you know, so here you go. There you go, right there. What? <laughs> what
4: I'm friendly. I'm a very friendly mother. I'm just a I, Jewish mother.
0: I'm scared. You should be <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um i have uh, I have no excuse. Um, exactly. I have no excuse, but here's my story. Okay. So I had this whole weekend, so i had I had three hours off on Monday night, and that, that was all I had. Uh, so I have about a dozen people that I, that I know that live down there in the DC area. So I would rather, and they have, I'd rather have a dozen people really mad at me, which they are, you included, then one, then one person saying, oh, it's great. And then the other 10 people are like, well, why'd you call that person? you call me. You're now a bigger loser than you are before. So that's, that's my excuse.
4: Hmm. I'm going to have to think about this.
0: Ooh, I made you think. Wow. Mm. All right.
4: Mm.
0: All right.
4: But I'm just, so. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm hurt. I'm just really hurt. How am I doing with the Jewish guilt? Is it working?
0: Uh, uh well, you know, it's not as bad as Filipino guilt. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, you can try, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah it's it's not as bad, I'm telling you, I don't know if it's an Asian thing or whatever, but uh you know,
4: yeah Filipino moms yeah. are pretty good at that too. you know, I worked yeah. with Filipino nurses in Chicago, and they told me yeah. all their secrets how they would you know just beat their kids up with guilt we yeah. would have we we would have contests at the nurses station,
0: yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
4: yeah.
0: Now, 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 you're going to be mad at me because I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to share something with the audience too. Now you're going to be mad at me. No, now, <laughs> I mean Uh-oh. really mad. At me. Oh, really? Yes, really mad at me.
4: Okay. Uh,
0: so, uh, so coming up um, uh, in three weeks, <laughs> I have a conference in Chicago,
1: oh.
0: and and uh, <laughs> in addition to. Uh, Going to the conference, uh, I'm gonna be visiting people.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. You're supposed to be
0: laughing. You're supposed to be laughing. This is where you're supposed to be laughing. laughing. There,
4: there's one way of redeeming yourself.
0: Why, why, what's that?
4: You send me a Chicago pizza.
0: Wow! Wow! Oh man! Okay. <laughs> oh. FedEx
4: that baby. You put you really? put it in a box and you FedEx it to my house.
0: Man, geez. and I will
4: let you off the hook.
0: <laughs> so on April twenty third, a Thursday. So I will be uh, I will be in Chicago, and I will be uh, I'll be doing my show from there, and then uh, doing my Saturday show from there too. So that's the big announcement that I have, and I'm very excited about it. And, well, I want uh, to know who
4: you're going to visit.
0: Uh, so our our buddies uh, Annie and Burl they're, yeah. uh, they're 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 there, and uh, I think I think I've already invited myself. To do my show from the huge, enormous Annie and Burl Studios in Chicago, you know, uh, I can't big, wait
1: to see
4: that.
0: It's bigger, it's bigger than the Oprah studio, I'm telling you. It's huge. <laughs> it's enormous. And uh, I' am getting the keys to drive the car to uh, you know, you know to, to be in the uh, pilot seat uh, to uh, drive the show from there, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and, and and other things coming up. Um, so uh, so I want to talk to you about this blog, this Met Blogger Meetup. I'm very excited about this.
4: Mhm. So is Annie going to sit in your lap? Uh,
0: Annie going to sit in my lap? Uh, only if she pays me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's All I'm saying. You know.
1: Hmm. We well, so, have to uh, pay
4: for the trip somehow.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. Mhm. Mhm. So, so Vegas, so this Vegas thing, I'm very excited about this Vegas thing. Um, uh, uh, one week from tonight, our, our, our buddy, uh, buddy Kim, Kim from uh, 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 majorblog.com, she's going to come on. So we're going to talk about this thing because I'm very excited about it. Aren't you excited about this deal?
4: I'm very excited. Are you going?
0: Well, yeah. So how,
4: how,
0: how, can I, how can I get on a panel to present something? Can you, can, you, can you pull strings for me there?
4: I think you have to suck up to Dr. Val.
0: I have to suck up to Dr. Val. Yeah. Dang, man. I know. I know. The I work on that. I think. I think. I think my strategy is is I'll keep I'll keep mentioning Dr. Val on the show,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I'll keep sucking up to her, and then maybe she'll feel bad for me and put me on a panel. What do you think? Mm,
4: she might. She might do that. You know, she, she really you know she has a big heart and she does a lot of charity work.
0: See, yeah, I'm looking for sympathy. I'll do anything to get on a panel. <laughs> uh so that'll be October 15th in Las Vegas.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I'm al- I'm already uh, saving up the bail money. So I'm very excited about that.
4: Well, yeah, um tell you what, um if I can call you if I get thrown in jail, you can call me, but the problem is we'll probably get in trouble together. And we'll be in the same cell.
0: huh. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like people like Dr. Val and Dr. Gwen. I mean, they're they're in New Mexico. Like, you mean if, if you're on Twitter, people who are on Twitter, they're at this National Association of Medical uh, Communicators conference or something like that, and they're, they're twittering all the time. I'm very, very, very mad at them.
4: Oh, don't be jealous. You're going to Chicago.
0: <laughs> I know. You're going to be in your
4: lap. You're going to be eating Chicago pizza. It's going to be all right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, I do want to give a shout out to to Dr. Val. She she's awesome and uh, suck up. If it, exactly. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to suck up here and uh, and if she gets any cancellations, you know, I can just you know, you know sweep in there, you know, and uh, and maybe I can uh, maybe I can pretend like I'm some famous blogger and say, hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm Grunt Doc and uh, this is my blog. What do you think?
1: uh I don't
4: know. you know, he's kind of macho.
0: Yeah, I can't I can't I can't, he, I can't he's do the a macho, macho
4: thing. guy, you know? Yeah, you're you're uh, you.
0: I can't uh I can't do that. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll I'll work I'll work on it. Uh so we got 3 minutes left. So MJ as always, thank you for laying it on thick as far as the uh, Jewish uh guilt thing. I really appreciate it.
4: <laughs> hey, my pleasure. My birthright. Something
0: I live to do. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week.
4: Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Bye. Good night. Bye. <laughs> All right. So, thanks as always uh, to uh Mother Jones RN for giving me the guilt. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, so, um, uh, with two minutes left here, I want to invite everybody to my Saturday show, The Night Shift, with Dr. A. My co host, Cat. it will be 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. One of the things I'm going to be talking about is the ER series finale, which is on right now, which I am Tivoing, and uh, I'm going to be uh, watching that a little bit later. And uh, that show came on when I was first in medical school, and I'm going to be sharing that uh, with you. Uh, so, But I do want to thank my guest again, uh, uh, Victoria from vp-medical.com, great interview, Check out her website, check out her blog, good stuff. Um, I do want to thank uh, Annette Jones, uh, who uh, called in. She has a, uh, a show here on the network, and uh, next show, I think she said, next week, uh, Tuesday at 10 p.m., I believe. Uh, so check her out at uh, uh, right here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And, of course, Mother Jones, um, RN, uh, for, uh, for calling in. Um, so I have about 90 seconds left. Thanks a lot, everybody, for uh, joining me live or... On the uh, archives. You can find me at dranonymous.com, Dr. we will get you to my Facebook page. Please make me your Facebook fan. And uh, you want to subscribe to the show? Hey, you can find me at dranonymous.org. That will take you right to my uh, iTunes page where you can hit subscribe and you can listen to me anytime. And finally, If you have an iPhone or if you have a BlackBerry, you can listen to this show live or on the archives just through your iPhone or BlackBerry. It's the same link, blogtalkradio.com slash Dr. Anonymous, and you can listen to this show anytime right from your smartphone. That's all I got for you here uh, this evening. Thank you for joining me. My next show will be Saturday April 4th, 2009 at 9 p.m. Eastern time, the night shift with Dr. A and Kat. There's no closing music here tonight. I will just say good night from the Buckeye State, and we will talk to all of you very soon. Good night, everybody.